The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. It's hard to believe for me that it's been over 40 years now that I've been at least a spiritual citizen of the nation of Israel. Ever since my first visit to the Holy Land, it's been an intriguing and totally inspiring place to get to know the Bible better. And what a privilege it is to share these insights with you through the media of Jerusalem Channel. We now have over 300 weekly broadcasts to view online free of charge. And just recently, one of our channel streams logged over 8 million views. But bringing these programs to a global audience does cost money. And during the summer months, giving sadly goes down. Just at a time when we need to meet some of our biggest expenses to pay for the streaming services. I want you to know that we really appreciate your help to make the Jerusalem Channel possible and to illuminate the Word of God in the context of the land and its people. You can give online at our website using credit or debit cards or write to us. In the USA, your tax-deductible gifts can be sent to Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. And in the UK, our address is Box 109, Hereford, HR4, 9XR, England. God bless you. According to one recent report in Israel, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Israeli geologists have recorded more earth tremors between the range of two and four points magnitude on the Richter scale than we've seen in about 80 years along Israel's Jordan Valley. That famous biblical valley is also part of the Great Rift Valley, a giant fault line running north to south about 4,000 miles through the Holy Land all the way down to East Africa. And in this prophecy update, is God shaking the region in preparation for the second coming of Jesus? Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Jerusalem sits at an elevation of about 2,600 feet above sea level on the western rim of a huge valley. The deepest place in this valley is at the Dead Sea, about 1,300 feet below sea level, the lowest spot on Earth. Seismic weakness stretches from the Dead Sea up to Jerusalem's Mount of Olives. In fact, the Old City and the Temple Mount are especially prone to earthquakes from time to time. After all, the Bible predicts in Zechariah 14.4 that a great earthquake is going to happen when Jesus returns and when He sets His glorious feet once again on the blessed Mount of Olives. Meanwhile, the latest rash of seismic activity since July 2018 has some local geologists very concerned. They're predicting that East Jerusalem, including the Temple Mount area, is likely to experience a destructive jolt of six points or more in magnitude on the Richter scale in the near future. Well, one of the most recent tremors in Jerusalem occurred this summer, just hours following the somber fast day of the 9th of Av on the Hebrew calendar. That's one of the times when multitudes of Jewish people from all over Israel congregate to pray at the Western Wall. 
called the Kotel in Hebrew. The Western Wall is revered by Jews because it's a remnant of a wall that once supported the second temple complex. But that temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. Amazingly, for the first time in many years, a large Herodian stone was dislodged and suddenly came crashing down near the famous Robinson's Arch. The boulder fell onto a wooden platform that had been constructed for what's being called egalitarian prayer, a controversial neutral area where women are now allowed to mingle with men to pray. It's an optional prayer site in addition to the main larger traditional prayer area where the men's section is separated by a barrier from the women's section. At the time the stone fell, only one person, a woman, was praying and thankfully she wasn't injured. Still, rabbinical sages interpret such happenings as a potential sign from God. And if the 220 pound or 100 kilo stone had fallen just 12 to 24 hours earlier, many persons could have been hurt or injured or even killed. Only a few hours before, the platform had been filled with the Tisha B'Av, the Ninth of Av worshipers, mourning the destruction of the two former Jewish temples on that very day. Tens of thousands of Jewish Israelis had also congregated in the main prayer plaza of the Western Wall to solemnly mark the day. Well, after the stone incident, Israel Radio reported that the rabbi of the Western Wall called for public soul-searching. He said the fact that this powerful incident happened a day after the Ninth of Av fast raised doubts and questions which the human soul is, he said, just too small to contain, and it required soul-searching. The rabbi thanked the Creator that a heavy disaster was averted. The stone crashing to the ground was caught on live camera and the location is almost exactly where the rabbis who serve on the nascent Sanhedrin court are planning to set up a stage for an historic world creation concert. That concert is being planned for September the 3rd and amazingly Christians are invited to be a part of this unprecedented event. I have to tell you that it's truly extraordinary that the Sanhedrin Tribunal is building bridges with evangelical Christians. Members of the nascent, that is, developing Sanhedrin are the modern inheritors of the Jewish court of sages or priests that once actually condemned Jesus to death. The tribunal concept of 71 rabbinic judges goes all the way back to the time of Moses. The Sanhedrin is mentioned 22 times in the Greek New Testament, including the trial of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, and also in the Acts of the Apostles, which mentions a great Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, where Rabbi Gamaliel appeared, and also in Acts chapter 7, in relation to the stoning death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. The Sanhedrin was dissolved in the year 358 AD by an edict of the Byzantine emperor. But there have been many attempts to revive it, including now. But already things seem to be different today. 
The nascent Sanhedrin has even appointed Jerusalem Evangelical Pastor David Decker to coordinate Christian representatives from North America to attend the creation concert. Members of the Sanhedrin also asked Pastor Decker to present one of their prophetic temple coins concerning construction of a third temple to a ministry of reconciliation. And we were happy to receive this memento from one of the Sanhedrin rabbis in honor of the many years that our ministry has been active in the very sensitive but prophetically necessary ministry of reconciliation among Jews and Christians. The developing Sanhedrin and the Mikdash, the Temple Education Center, are together organizing the World Creation Concert at the Jerusalem Archaeological Park that's adjacent to the Western Wall Plaza. And why the date September the 3rd? Because September 3rd corresponds to the eve of the 23rd day of the Hebrew month of Elul, which rabbis believe is the anniversary of the eve of the first day of creation, 5,779 years ago, they believe. The rabbis also teach that the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, were created six days later on the first day of the month of Tishri, which corresponds to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. The founder of the Mikdash Educational Center told Breaking Israel News that they're arranging the concert so that anyone anywhere in the world can join in by the internet. Also, according to Jewish tradition, creation began at the foundation stone, the stone that's in the heart of the Jewish temple that once stood at the Temple Mount. A spokesman for the Sanhedrin, Rabbi Hillel Weiss, said he initially conceived of the concert as an attempt to try to heal the world from the multitude of today's global threats. As such, he's extended invitations to representatives from every nation, including the Arab world, and even from the especially antagonistic nation of Iran. Well, prophecy watchers will recognize that these activities point to the apex of end-time Bible history when the cry for peace will become ever stronger. And this old earth is in travail with scores of active volcanoes, the ring of fire seismic belt, worldwide heat waves, raging fires, civil unrest, but if only the world knew that these calamities are leading up to one thing, and that's the second coming of Jesus as prophesied in Israel's final deliverance and redemption. All the way through the Bible, Israel's final redemption has been predicted and prophesied. Saints have anticipated and hoped for the salvation and deliverance of God's ancient people. And now we see it beginning to take shape and getting ready finally to come to pass. For those of us privileged to live in these times of Bible prophecy fulfillment, we're no longer living in days that require holy imagination, but we're actually eyewitnesses to realities of prophecy fulfillment regarding Israel. 100 years ago, we could have detected a few signs of the beginnings of restoration, such as the Balfour Declaration milestone, but faith and holy imagination were still required 100 years ago. 
However, now in our lifetime, and especially since 1948, Israel has become a reality. It's a desperately needed refuge for the Jewish people, but also a sore spot for the Arabs. Try as they might, they can't make Israel go away. They haven't been able to defeat tiny Israel because the God of Israel has determined to fulfill Bible prophecies at this time. Even many in the churches don't understand. They self-righteously point at Israel's many flaws, such as Israel's abortion laws, which are among some of the world's most liberal. And they point to a major city, Tel Aviv, which proudly has become the sin capital of the world. But God's astonishing mercy is greater than Israel's sins. And a major revival, in fact, the revival of all revivals will happen in Israel according to this book, the Bible. God has already revived the dry Jewish bones out of the Holocaust. And remember the word revival means to resuscitate that which was dead. And why does Israel deserve a revival? Israel deserves a revival because God is more faithful to His promises than we people are. To those who tragically don't know this Bible, Israel is the mystery of history. But to those who have honestly and diligently studied this book, what's going on in the Middle East should be no mystery. What's happening is simply God is proving Himself faithful to the covenants that he made long ago with the Jewish patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Despite the era of replacement theology that's tragically rampant in the churches, God's not finished with Israel. The Bible teaches that there's coming a great day of deliverance and a day of salvation for Israel. God has predicted it repeatedly in the Bible and especially in Zechariah chapter 12. Soon there'll be a day when Israel's very tragic history will be reversed and Israel's fortunes, Zechariah says, will be completely restored. God described this end time action in Zechariah 8:19 and also in Zechariah 12:3, where God is comparing Jerusalem to a big boulder. Behold, he declares, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all peoples. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Well, the area where the heavy stone recently fell near the western wall is strewn with other large boulders, remnants of the wall that were pried loose by the Romans during the temple's destruction 2,000 years ago. The Herodian remnant stone, which recently fell down from the wall, made me think of Zechariah 12.3, how God likened Jerusalem to a heavy stone in the last days. Meanwhile, archaeologist Meir ben Dov confirmed to the Times of Israel that in 1972 he himself patched an area on the wall near Robinson's Arch and that the newly fallen stone is indeed most likely from the original Herodian temple period. Despite the soul-searching of the rabbis, the archaeologists quipped with typical Israeli dry humor. So a rock fell? So what? He said. The state of Israel hasn't ended. The Messiah won't come because of this. But in a land fraught with tensions and messianic hopes, everything is seen as a sign, and even I can make a sermon out of it. 
In fact, the falling rock brought to my mind not only Zechariah 12.3, but also many other scriptures, especially Daniel 2.34, which I'll get to in a moment. And Psalm 118, verse 22, which says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That verse is so important that it's quoted many times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, as well as a Messianic reference in Romans 9, 33. It says, As it's written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trust in him will never be put to shame. Many times in the scriptures, a stone, a rock, is a messianic metaphor. Basically, in the overall prophetic scheme of history, as we see in Zechariah chapter 11, the nation of Israel refused Messiah at his first coming. They tragically rejected the true shepherd and will accept a false shepherd in the future, also known as the Antichrist, but only for a relatively short period of deception. But when the curtain opens on Zechariah 12, behold, we see that Israel finally receives and welcomes the true shepherd, Jesus, Yeshua, the crucified Messiah in the last days. In fact, Zechariah 12:10. In that verse, God declares that they'll look upon me whom they're pierced. And then the pronoun changes and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. So to review in Zechariah chapter 11, Jesus is rejected at his first coming. But in chapter 12, at his second coming, he's finally received by Israel with many tears. Therefore, the book of Zechariah is both historic and prophetic especially the last three chapters are futuristic. In chapters 12, 13, and 14, the last chapters of Zechariah, Israel receives the suffering Messiah and his kingdom becomes established. This will be God's promised kingdom in Jerusalem. And I agree with one theologian that this book of Zechariah is second to none in importance in the prophetic scriptures. It's absolutely indispensable to understand the last days concerning Israel, the time of the great tribulation, and finally, what God intends to do to establish his kingdom and his rule on earth from Jerusalem. Verse 1 of Zechariah 12 begins, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. You see, this is all about Israel. It's not about the church. The subject is the nation of Israel. And the expression, the burden of the Lord, is an expression used in the Hebrew scriptures. One commentator has described this Hebraism, the burden of the Lord, to describe a prophecy that heavily weighs down the prophet, creating within him anxiety and heaviness. The burden over Israel comes from God's Holy Spirit. It's God himself imparting this burden. It's God intervening in history when the nations are going to make a siege against Jerusalem. And then he says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the peoples round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, God says, I am going to make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all peoples 
and all that burden themselves with it shall be cut into pieces. So when the United Nations attacked Jerusalem, God says he's literally going to make Jerusalem a heavy stone of burden, impossible to lift. Apparently in ancient times, stones were used in weightlifting contests. But when it comes to Jerusalem, whoever tries to lift or move Jerusalem will be, this verse in Zechariah 12 says, cut in pieces. And the literal sense of the Hebrew is that they're going to grievously injure themselves. In fact, scholars say the Hebrew means to rupture. In other words, these nations are going to get a hernia. Well, I have a piece of needlework that used to hang on the wall in the prayer house of Jerusalem Bible teacher Lance Lambert of blessed memory. The needlework says, Jerusalem shall stand when all is over where Jerusalem ever stood. Amen. This is because God's city cannot be moved. It'll never be destroyed. It's going to be right where it belongs when all the dust settles. And today, when you visit Jerusalem, you can see that nothing has moved for centuries. You can still walk about Zion, as Psalm 48 exhorts us to do, and count her towers. You can put your hand on the foundation stone on the Temple Mount. Now I want to mention another stone chronicled in the Bible. When I saw that falling boulder and making headlines, the rock mentioned in Daniel 2.34 also came to my mind. And I dare say it might have come to the minds of other prophecy watchers. Because in Daniel chapter 2, the prophet interpreted a dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, a dream in which the Babylonian king had envisioned a giant and dazzling colossus representing world empires, beginning with a head of pure gold, but degrading down to its chest and arms made of silver, and then its belly and thighs of bronze. Furthermore, its legs were iron, and its feet were mixed with iron and clay. A rock was cut out, but not by human hands. And this supernatural rock in Daniel chapter 2 struck the statue on its iron and clay feet, and the statue was broken to smithereens. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. As I said earlier in various scriptures, the Messiah is described by the figure of a rock. And that stone cut without human hands is now rolling as the kingdom of God spreads in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. The stone cut out without hands represents the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, whose dominion will be set up upon the ruins of Satan's kingdom. Jesus, Yeshua, was the stone which the builders rejected, but he has become the capstone. Hallelujah. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Well, before I close today, I quickly want to mention some other signs of the times. The Ezekiel War of Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 seems to be drawing closer day by day. Ezekiel 38 and 39 foretold that in the last days after Israel has been once again regathered and after the Holocaust described in Ezekiel chapter 37, 
a confederation of nations to the north of Israel will gather against Israel and will even attempt an invasion of the Holy Land. The nations described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are identified by many Bible scholars as being Russia, Turkey, and Iran, along with various other allies, the very nations that are against Israel right now. Well, Prophecy News Watch said this week that the host of a nationally syndicated radio program made an astonishing observation. The radio host talked about looking over the Israeli border into Syria and said, when you look over the border today, you're not looking into Syria anymore. You're looking at Russia, Iran, and Turkey. That's because Syria is being carved up by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. This is significant because the stage is now being set for an invasion event that the Bible prophesied over 2,000 years ago when God himself is going to defend Israel. Meanwhile, Turkish President Erdogan has consolidated power in Turkey and he's building an Islamic Republic aligned against Israel. Recently, Erdogan criticized Israel as the most Zionist, fascist, and racist country in the world. And he called on the international community to mobilize against Israel. Erdogan's rhetoric escalated tensions in the region by comparing Israelis in leadership to the Haman of recent history, Adolf Hitler. Erdogan said Hitler's spirit has reemerged among administrators in Israel. Well, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, responded sharply by saying that under Erdogan, Turkey is turning into a dark dictatorship. And Israel's education minister, Naftali Bennett, also responded harshly to Erdogan's rhetoric. The bellicose nature of these events points to the potential imminency of the prophesied Ezekiel War. And that's why at this time I must urge you to consider that the door of salvation is still open for all people to get saved, all who call on the name of the Lord. It's still the church age. But for how long? It's so vital that you decide today upon your eternal future if you haven't done so already. I've mentioned in this broadcast the prophecies of the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah chapter 13 talks about a fountain opened by God for supernatural cleansing from all sins. That wondrous verse, Zechariah 13, 1 declares, In that day a fountain shall be opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. God's going to wash the entire Israeli nation from its sins. But the good news is God's fountain for cleansing was actually opened at the cross 2,000 years ago. And it's still open right now. I've been to that fountain. Have you? I've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, the fountain drawn from Emmanuel's veins. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. And so I urgently invite you to the font of God, where by faith you can be washed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus, Yeshua, who provided for us all the atonement, cleansing, forgiveness, peace, eternal life, and citizenship in the kingdom of God. 
I sincerely pray you'll receive this gift of salvation and healing that God offers freely. The Word of God says it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And God says, when I see the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost of your hearts, I'll pass over you. My judgment won't fall upon you. Hallelujah. Jesus also said in John 6, 37, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. So Jesus extends his hand to you now. My friend, his perfect cleansing and forgiveness are yours if you'll have the faith to receive it from the Lord. Amen. And so now I also want to invite you to contact our ministry on the social media or through our website at exploits.tv where you can sign up for our free color newsletter, Exploits, and learn details about our latest prayer journeys in Israel. And please don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app on your mobile phones and tablets. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darig. Shalom and Maranatha. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. That prophecy of Ezekiel has become reality in our generation. The story of Israel is part of the ministry of the Jerusalem Channel. On this historic 70th anniversary of the rebirth of Israel, please consider making a special gift to continue our media ministry through our website, the Jerusalem Channel app, or by mail.